Hi everyone and welcome to Las Musas Podcast. My name is Alda P. Dobbs and I'm the author of the upcoming middle grade novel, Barefoot Dreams of Petra Luna. Today I'm joined by Jenny Catasuz Jennings. She is a middle grade author and has an awesome, fabulous book coming out. And this is for, this is an episode for the debut diaries, the middle grade edition. I'd like to introduce uh, Terry to you. Can you start off by uh, telling us about yourself, please, and your book? Well, thank you, Alda, and thank you so much for visiting with me. And thank you to Las Musas Podcast for making this possible. Uh, my name is Terry Catasus Jennings, and I'm the author of the Definitely Dominguita series, which consists of four chapter books. Um, I live in Reston, Virginia, with my husband and partner. And he is the reason that I can write because he does everything uh, that, so I don't have to do anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two very supportive children with two very wonderful spouses. And I have four perfect grandchildren and one more on the way. Oh, nice. <laughs> so maybe just a little bit of background. I was born in Cuba and I came to the United States when I was 12 years old after the Bay of Pigs. Uh, and I'm, I love writing and I'm absolutely delighted to be sharing the debut of my little books. Um, the series comes out on March 2nd oh. and it's published by Simon & Schuster. Nice, it's almost here, yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. So congratulations on that uh, grandkid. Do you know oh, it's a bigger girl? Not yet, not yet. They don't wanna know, they have one of each so they're okay not knowing. <laughs> no, that's good, that's very nice that you, you have those grandkids. Very nice. Now, okay, for listeners that are new to the Definitely Dominguita series, what's your elevator pitch for that? Okay, Dominguita is a Cuban-American third grader who loves to read. She particularly love, loves the classics that Abuela read to her as bedtime stories. And right at the point where the series starts, her Abuela has had to move away because she's getting forgetful. Uh, so now Dominguita is rereading the books just to feel close to Abuela. And um, what ends up happening in the first book, which is called The Night of the Cape, mm -hmm. is that Dominguita gets challenged by the class bully to prove that a girl can be a worthy knight. Maybe mm -hmm. that's a little too long for an elevator pitch, but that's the story. <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. <laughs> I get to know more about Dominguita. That's good. Now, the, the whole Dominguita, I loved her character, but uh, how was she born? That idea, what inspired that? Okay, so um, the, the, the inspiration for uh, a character that uh, was like Don Quixote was from my father. My father loved Don Quixote. He was a knight of the, you know, Don Quixote was a knight of the sad face. And there were so many ways in which Don Quixote tried to become a knight and didn't succeed, but he always kept trying. And, and my dad was a refugee and he, you know, was hard and, but he always kept trying. So I always equated my dad and, and Don Quixote. And I think I have a little bit of, of both of them in me. And I think that writing is kind of like being like Don Quixote. You're always trying, but sometimes, most of the time you're not succeeding. <laughs> but anyway, so honest, the way that it happened, I was out of weeding my backyard Mm -hmm. And it had been totally taken over by this really awful, awful weed. And I knew that a week later, 
the backyard would be full of weeds again. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, there you go. You're doing what, you know, Don Quixote again. Why are you doing this? And, uh, but meanwhile, while I was trying to do this, I started thinking, wait a minute, what if there was a kid who wanted to become a knight, who wanted to pretend to become a knight? And then this little guy just kind of came into my head and he was wearing a cape. And I thought, oh, well, a cape, now all that could work. And um, so I, I, I'm always bouncing things off my daughter and I called her. And when I told her the idea, she says, yeah, that will work, but it has to be a girl. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. So why didn't I think of that, right? Uh -huh. So that's how, she, that's how she was born. It was like one of those things. She came right into my head, fully clothed with a cape and uh, some kind of helmet on. And um, I, I mean, I started plotting right, right as I was weaving. It was a wonderful opportunity. Oh um, and that that happened in March of 2018. I went back and looked at my uh, at my records, and that happened around March of 2018. Oh, not that long ago. I mean, compared to some authors, like for instance, myself, my my book, I started as a, as a picture book seven years ago, and uh, it morphed into a middle grade, and uh, and that was when it turned into middle grade about four. No, no, yeah, about four or five years ago. So. It's been a long time, but yeah, that's pretty good that yours was two years ago. You know, I like that. Right. Well, and you know, the one that you know about my, my book about Cuba and about the Cuban revolution, I started that one in 2008. So, yeah, <laughs> and that one still not come out. <laughs> no, you got to keep so, it there. I, yeah, I have another one too that that one's 10 years old. It's, but I'm, I promised it already. I said, okay, you'll see the light, you know, one day. Yeah. Hang in there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Did you have a process for drafting your book or are you a, like they say, are you an outliner or transfer? What's your, what's your method? Okay. For these, I'm normally an outliner. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very methodical person regardless of what I'm writing. But for these, it was even more, it was different because I had to learn about the books first. So I, I reread the classics mm -hmm. and I, some of them like Treasure Island, I read five or six times trying oh to get trying to get into the book and trying to understand the characters and their relationship between among themselves and trying to see how they talked and then I started looking for like an iconic scene uh in uh Don Quixote the iconic scene is uh tilting at the windmill so Don Quixote tilts at the windmill and he pretends it's a giant and Dominguita tilts at the windmill and she pretends it's a giant uh, and then maybe some scenes that can that are maybe not so well known, but scenes that are I could translate into a kid's book, like uh, Don Quixote finds this guy, be, this kid being bullied, mm -hmm. and he thinks he talks the master into letting him go. Well, the minute Don Quixote is gone, uh, he starts the the master starts beating the kid again. Well, mm -hmm. the, Dominguita thinks that she got this bully and and got him to stop teasing Steph, who becomes a, you know, one of the group. Uh, but, you know, seconds later, the kid is back teasing Steph and being mean and nasty to Steph. So uh, those ideas, an idea, something that was iconic or something that worked kind of like the book. Um, and once I had the benchmarks, then I try to write a couple, the first couple of chapters are just 
pants, whatever, whatever comes and see if it's going to work, see if I can find a voice. And then from that point on, I do outline and say, okay, this is what I'm going to say. Um, and um, in these books, the, the plot takes place right now. So the kids have cell phones, you know, they take, they take selfies, they text, and the, the adventures are everyday uh, adventures. So um, I, I wrote a, a little bit of, of the, the Night of the Cape. And when I was ready I, uh, that it was going to work, I talked to my agent. And of course, you know, we started together trying to get that Cuban book. And uh, so, you know, it was very easy for me to call and say, hey, what do you think about a book about a kid uh, who pretends? And she uh -huh. loved it. Now, I've had some folks in a critique group that were not crazy about the idea. They thought that second graders, kids don't pretend anymore. Mm. So, but Natalie was on board. So I, so we started reading it, and, I mean, writing it. And mm -hmm. then um, while I was doing that, I was writing other books because it seemed pretty clear right away that I could do this with other classics. So mm -hmm. by the time she presented, you know, she went out on rounds with the books, we had six different ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and Simon and Schuster chose four of them. So. Oh, nice. No, that's interesting because uh, I had the same experience with, uh, with uh, Petra Luna. I had the, the middle grade draft and the fact that we're a military family, we kept moving every two years. So I had a new group and it's just interesting how different the perspectives are. You know, some people say, no, kids don't read that or kids don't act right. like this or whatnot. And sometimes you feel like you get lost, you know, you're like, okay, am I doing the right, you know, but right. I continue to pursue, you know, what my heart said and whatnot. And just like you, once you meet that agent, that person that truly believes in your book, then, you know, you know, you got magic there. You, you have something to work with. So, and how did you go about to meet your, your agent or acquire her? Well, we met at the SCBWI in New Jersey and mm -hmm. she was, you know, at SCBWI in New Jersey, they let you uh, choose who you're going to send your manuscript to and they give you the bios. And so, I mean, it's first come first serve. So I, I did, I saw her bio and I thought, holy cow, she is perfect. <laughs> Because she represented everything. She represents nonfiction and picture books and middle grade. And nice. uh, so, and she just sounded, sounded very nice in what she said. And then we met and it was, she was very, she was very happy about the Cuban book and never went very far, but she was very happy at that time about the Cuban book. And, uh, and she offered me representation fairly quickly. So I, it was delight. It, I was delighted. And, it, I, I can't say enough uh, about her. She's enough good things about her. She's wonderful. Okay. And who is she again, your agent? Would you say you're Oh, it's Natalie Lacosell. She's with oh. Bradford Literary. Literary. Oh. oh, no, they're great. I've heard about them. They're, they're awesome. They're yeah. wonderful. All right. And, and also about Dominguita, I think I mentioned this earlier. I love her strong character. I love how determined she is. And she's a go-getter, you know, it doesn't take a no for an answer. You know, sometimes she has self-doubts, but, you know, she presses on, you know, and, and stands firm in her beliefs. Now, was she, were you like her when you were her age or who, who inspired her? Is there someone you kind of yeah. look to, to create her character? Definitely. By the time that I was her age, that, that was me. When I was little, I was a little whiny little kid. 
And uh, I, you know, I didn't, something made me, I didn't like myself. Uh, I, I didn't like that. And uh, so I, I was, I was a determined kid and maybe some people might say I was bossy, uh, but um, yeah, uh, and I was the only kid uh, in, in my, in my household. So uh, I love to read. I spend a lot of time reading, mm -hmm. but um, I also love pretending my, uh, my best friend in Cuba was an American girl and we love to pretend yeah. and, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it, Dominguita is very, very much like me, the kind of kid that has these great big ideas and then you have to bring her down to reality. Mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes I do things before I think and Dominguita exactly does the same thing. Uh, yeah. But thank God she has Pancho and Pancho always <laughs> reels her back in, brings her back down to reality. Yeah, I love that character. I love Pancho. You know, I, I love how they complement each other. You know, she's very firm. And like I said, she just charges without thinking. And he's more, you know, reserved, but he's always trying. So it's a good balance. I love that. I love the way they combine. It is. And another thing I loved about your book is the cover. It's just so colorful and so vivid. I, I love her, her stance and whatnot. So when you first saw it, what was the first thing that, that struck you? Um, I was, I got Fatima Anaya, she got Dominguita. She knows, she understands Dominguita backwards and forwards. And um, when I first was told that, that Fatima was gonna do the work, I thought, wow, you know, I looked at her website and, and her work was wonderful. And it was perfect because I always thought Dominguita ought to be a, uh, cartoonish character, not, not a real life, you know, not a, a realistic character. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and Fatima got her. And, you know, if you look at the very first uh, inside sketch of Dominguita reading and recess happening around her, but Dominguita mm -hmm. reading and nothing else matters. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was very happy. I cried. Uh -oh. I cried. Did, you, did you cry when you got the, the cover of Professor Luna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like um, the way I see it. I told uh, John Jay Cabway was the illustrator for my cover, and I told him later that it was like seeing the, a sonogram of the baby, you know, because it's the initial sketches. Yeah. See, I was like, oh, oh, that's that's a perfect analogy. That is, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just it it is your baby, and and you finally see it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is magical when you see how well the, the illustrator captures that. So that, I like that the fact that the art department and the house knows who best to, to oh, put. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. I, I think, um, yeah, you know, lots of people think that you shouldn't, that, that you want to have input into that. I mean, you do want to have input, but you don't want to dictate anything because they know what they're doing. And and it's so much better to bring someone else's idea and perspective into your into your cover and into your illustrations. It's much much better. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm delighted with Fatima. Oh, that's great. That's it's an awesome cover. I love it. And also, the, something I like about your book is the whole community, how they come together, and the the impact on it has on characters or kids. You know, trying to they have a mission and that uh, have a, a set of goal in mind. 
and how the community comes together to help that child. So I like that in your book, how you have Mr. Prieto at the Yuka Yuka, you know, giving her ideas and introducing her to the Pancho. And then you had the, the story you know, later on. I don't want to give too much about the book, but it's just, it's beautiful how everybody comes together. And uh, what was, uh, the? you have uh, several characters. You had Pancho, Steph, and Rocco, of course, <laughs> one of my favorites. I love how you captured him. And how do, do they play a part in the next book in the in the series? Yes. yes, yes. Pancho and Steph are in all of the books. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Senor Prieto and Yuka Yuka are in all the books. She continues to sweep his um, his sidewalk in in exchange for lunch every day. And, uh, you know, Kowalski, Mr. Kowalski's still there, and El Senor Fuentes and his junkyard. Every book has, yes, a, has like the that. idea of getting, they get their, um, their costumes or whatever makes them, whatever they're doing, the musketeers or the knights or whatever, mm -hmm. they get their costumes on that day at, yeah. at El Senor Fuentes' uh, salvage yard. Yeah, so, that yeah. was one of my favorite scenes too, the salvage yard. And also when she's... Uh, about to get knighted. I love that. I love the, you know, how serious she's about that subject. You know, I just, I love yep. that part. <laughs> nice. And then another thing too about your book, uh, I had just had dinner, but um, I still got hungry reading your book. I mentioned <laughs> buñuelos and croquettes and uh, the ham biscuits and everything. And I, I kept reading Yuka Yuka, the name of the restaurant. And I loved it. And I said, I hope it's a real place so that uh, one day I could go there <laughs> and enjoy all those foods, you know, because a lot of books do portray yeah. you know, a restaurant or whatnot. And I was really, really hoping for Yuka Yuka. So is it real or how did you come no, up? No, I wish it was. You know, oh. we, we lived in Richmond, Virginia, when, uh -huh. you know, I, we did not live, my family did not live in Miami. So I did not have access oh. to a Cuban restaurant. <laughs> You had to go a long ways. Actually, you had to come to Washington. I don't remember any Cuban restaurants in, in Richmond. But um, yeah, but Yuka Yuka is, is my, virtual, uh, I, my virtual restaurant. I wish I could go there because yeah, you know, uh, at my house we had, you know, black beans and rice and we had plantains and we did have fritters and, and, uh, and croquettes and all that. But the buñuelos and the churros, you have to have those in a restaurant. And because, you know, and, and we never did. And so I, that, I think I'm living through these kids, having, having my vicarious um, <laughs> life of eating Cuban sweets uh, through, <laughs> these, through these kids. But yeah, I love Yuka Yuka. I love, uh, and I love El Senor Prieto. He's, you know, he's so good. And, and all these guys are respectful of these kids. They treat them like equals. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. if, uh, yeah, I know you need food, so I'm not going to give you food all the time, but if you work for it, I'll give you, give it to you. And actually she asked him if she, he needs something done mm -hmm. and, and he agrees. And, you know, I, I, I love the community. Yes, I love that too, that they offer the, the opportunity there for her to learn and, and grow. So that's good. And did you come up with the name Yuka Yuka? Or I did. You... I oh, did. Wow. Because Yuka, Yuka is my very favorite, uh, <laughs> my very favorite food. Yeah, oh. that's amazing. Oh, you should open a restaurant then. <laughs> can, can I be there in a heartbeat? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Okay. And uh, now the, the whole book, like I told you, my favorite scene was when 
she's about to to get knighted. I love that part. But what's your personal personal favorite part in the book? Or that scene? that is that is my my personal my personal favorite because I loved uh, I loved the sword. The idea that the sword was was hanging right uh, right below the pucker pickle sign. And the mm -hmm. pickle sign made it seem like it was holy and it was just there just uh -huh. for her. And uh -huh. I, I, I thought it, I thought it was good. And then she, she, uh, she thinks she's going to be um, dubbed with the sword, but then Mr. <laughs> Kowalski can't find the key. So <laughs> he ends up uh, dubbing her with, with this um, hook. <laughs> that he uses to bring down the uh, the shutters for his uh -huh. shutters for this for the shop. So I I think that represent and the, and you're right when you said that it represents her because she she takes it very seriously. She's pretending, but she's very seriously. She knows she has to be a knight. She knows uh, Mr. Kowalski has to come from nobility, and she checks to make sure he came from. <laughs> from nobility and you know it's it's she's very serious about her pretending and I, I i that that is my my favorite one thanks for bringing that up no that's good that's amazing that that you like that scene too yeah i was captured by that one a lot i had to reread it just because i liked it so much just how how she's pacing and thinking about you know how she has to you know what term i can't remember what term it was that you used about um showing kind of like a reverence to to that tradition right. of, yes. of yeah. um, having to uh, a vigil I a think vigil. yes yeah. she had to she had to do the vigil and of course uh she gets tired she gets bored after <laughs> she, you know it, it you know she can't do it for very long and she, and you know Mr. Kowalski says well I thought you were going to do it longer and she says no Don Quixote didn't last that long either so it's that. okay <laughs> Yeah, I love that about her because she's a kid after all. You know, I love yeah. that she's takes her serious, but she's also a kid. It's both yeah. it them through, so I like that a lot. And now, in the book, in your opinion, I think there's a lot of themes, and I I like them. But what's your your opinion about what themes come out in your book, or what what did you aim for the the takeaway to be? Um, okay, my takeaway. That's a really good question. My takeaway was always showing. Uh, Cuban American kids that were normal, that mm -hmm. were just like everybody else, so that they lived in a family that had dinner, that you know, that had a good brother. The mom, you know, told her to make her bed. You know, that just a normal thing. So that's that was the the takeaway. Um, I think friendship is one of the big themes of the book. You know, mm -hmm. Dominguita gets dragged into being friends. Um, by the circumstances in the book, but that she comes to understand the value of it. And I hope that kids, that kids get that, that we all need each other. And of course, then the love of Cuban food is another theme. And, you know, um, when Steph, Steph, who is, you know, totally American, uh, she's not too crazy at first about having the Cuban food, but, but she, she does come to embrace it and she tries it. She gives Cuban food a chance. And I think what I'm trying to do with food is kind of like a metaphor. If you give the, another culture's food a chance, that's the same way that you should. And you'll find out that you love it, that it's wonderful. 
mm-hmm. and that there's you know there's some stuff that you can have and some that you love and some stuff that you don't love so much but you give it a chance and you're going to find a lot that you love and i'm thinking that that's a metaphor for other then you know for accepting other cultures for accepting everyone accepting other people give other people uh, a chance and and i did love the um the relationship with her grandmother Mm -hmm. and uh you know the relationship with older people that Mm -hmm. these kids are considered like you said they're considered just part of the town and and they all treat each other with a lot of respect um but they treat each other as equals so i those were the things that i saw what did you see I, I saw that, the friendship. I love the way how different it was between her and Pancho and her and Stephanie, how those friendships developed and how she viewed them too, you know, and how that changed at, to, at the end of the book, how the dynamics even of how she saw herself as a friend or as a rescuer, you know, how all that changed. And, and I love that. The, it's amazing how you worked it all out, you know, to represent that bond and also to show the change that that was really well done i love that oh thank you that was there was a lot of work that went into that and you absolutely got it the change from her being a rescuer which was what she wanted to do when she didn't really want to become a friend but she did Mm -hmm. and that yeah there was a lot of work that went into that thanks that's good no because it happens to children especially when they're in new places or new schools you know you start meeting other people and you're trying to see how you fit in with different people and it does it changes with time so yeah. it's good to see that through through the book i love that yeah all right and then um so your journey how long have you been writing um okay so i didn't start writing when i was a kid um uh-huh. because you know it's it's hard being i mean we were immigrants we were very 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 poor Mm-hmm. And um, so the kind of job I had, I had to, when I went to college, I needed a job. I didn't need a career. So I didn't, uh, I didn't start, I didn't write. But then as I, um, but stories, I always wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And stories were always rolling around in my head. So by the time that um, I was able to, uh, that my kids were out of, you know, in high school and I didn't have to volunteer too much anymore. And I mm-hmm. didn't have to do uh, my, you know, my husband had progressed enough that I didn't have to have a whole bunch of part-time, you know, <laughs> self, uh, you know, own business kind of things that I was uh-huh. always doing. Uh, I started writing. So that was in, uh-huh. in 2000. I started oh, yeah. that. Okay. And I, I wrote, I wrote a story that I went to a writer's group from some neighbors uh, from that elementary school, some other friends that were in that elementary school. And one of them was a, a writer. And I said, well, how do you become a writer? And she says, well, mm-hmm. come to my writer's group. Oh. And uh, I wrote something for the Washington Post and it got published. Oh, wow. So uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, I, I wrote a, a thing about teaching my daughter to, to, um, to drive. And it was published by the Washington Post. So um, that was very, that was very encouraging. So yeah, I bet. So I've, been do, I've been doing it for a long time and here's almost 20 years and I'm finally getting a, you know, 
a book with a major publisher. So that's super duper for me. Yes. Yeah. No, my know, hands I, off to you. It is tough being, yeah. being published. And yeah, it's hard work. I yeah. Yeah, you know it. And, you know, yeah. Well, and, and then there's some Musas like Crystal that, you know, gosh, and, and Johnny, they're <laughs> super duper stars. And they're yes. first, first thing they, you know, it's a little bit of time, but, but they're doing so well. So it's a different thing for everybody the thing is it's that we true. just can't give up you just got to keep going it's true yeah the same thing happened with me similar to you know grew up really poor and being a writer to me was you know kind of in the sky you know it's just you don't need writers writers are i don't know they're gods are out there you know you never exactly you just see the books you know they just magically appear and there's books but uh storytelling was something i always liked you know, and it was always difficult too because English was my second language. But uh, so that's why it took me so long to, to right. get it right. But yeah, it took years. Yeah. And uh, so for you, like you said, you started in 2000 and you, you did the, the article writing and now you're about to get a published book here with a big publisher. So what's your advice for people that are either starting out right now, considering it, or that are in the querying phase right now? Um, I think that, uh, it's, it's like we said, it's just easy to be discouraged. And I think you just can't, if that's your dream, if your dream is to be published, mm -hmm. then you need to, you need to keep trying. But, um, the, the bigger thing is to make sure the only thing that you can control, you can't control whether anybody will publish your book, that's but true. you can control how good, how well you write your book and that's how true. good your story is. And you can go to, you know, SCBWI workshops and you can read, 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 and you can do everything to make sure that your work is the very best that it can be. And then mm -hmm. at some, at some point, if your work is, is that, is that good, um, you'll, you, you know, you will find that perfect uh, agent and you'll eventually get, you know, get the deal. But it's, it's a lot of little baby steps. For me, it was a lot of baby steps. Mm -hmm. But I, I think don't give up and, and just do your, I mean, it's easy to say, do your best, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also one of the hardest things because we're so impatient. It's true. We want to be published. I mean, you know, I'm getting old. If I'm not published soon, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die before I <laughs> get this I done. Do. I don't know if I'll make it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's good advice. I like that. Yeah, that's something that worked for me too. Uh, conferences, the critiques that they offer at conferences, yeah. that was gold to me. I, you know, I remember when I first, my first critiques, uh, I mean, there was so much red ink in my manuscript, you know, right. but they, they guide you and little by little, it's like chiseling a, a sculpture. You start learning right. how to do it better and you start finding shape to your story. And yeah, to me, I always advise people to go to those critiques so that's that helped me kind of like you yeah. mentioned those workshops and, and whatnot yeah yeah the critiques from the SCBWI they you know you start you know the first one you get the first one and it tells you to do this and you do it and then the next one brings you a little bit farther than the next one and there's a lot of you you go through a lot of them mm -hmm. but really um and eventually you learn I mean that's mm -hmm. the truth eventually you learn and you don't have your, your first manuscript is not as god awful as the very first manuscript that you <laughs> yeah. ever saw, wrote, right? True. So, but yeah, but you do learn a lot at, at those uh, from those critiques. Yeah. Yes. Now, now that you're in this publishing process, 
what's the first or what is the biggest surprise you've had so far that you didn't know or that you learned along the way? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, one, one thing that, that, what, that I kind of knew about was that how slow it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very slow. I mean, you, okay. you think that, that, you know, you sell the book and you think that you're <laughs> going to start getting your query letter right, I mean, your, you know, your editing letter right away. No, it, at least I, I didn't. And it, hap it has happened with more than one. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, you don't get it right away. But, uh, and then all of a sudden you have to get it done. But the thing that was the biggest surprise was that um, it was the editing process for me was very easy. And it wasn't so much that my book was so good. My, my first book was good because Natalie, my agent is an editing agent and she doesn't let anything go out before it's you know just about perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, except for that Cuban book, which <laughs> we both thought it was perfect. <laughs> Nobody else did. It'll be there. I'm sure it'll hit the show. Someday, someday we'll be back. We'll be, I, we'll, we'll do that talk together again. Oh yeah. But, but um, yeah, the second and third books of the series, um, I was, I was flying on my own uh -huh. and I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to have a lot of edits and they weren't, I didn't have a whole lot of edits, but mm -hmm. the edits that I had made mm -hmm. the book so much better. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things that you go, oh, well, why, I should have thought of that. Why didn't <laughs> I think of that? You know, it was like a totally mm -hmm. different, it, it made, it made the books uh, come alive. And mm -hmm. they, it, the best thing is my editor is uh, Allie Heller. I, she didn't tell me this is what you have to do. She just led me slowly along the way. She just easily led me gently. And um, I, you know, it, it was, a, that was perfect. I always thought that the editing process was going to be one of those pull your hair out kinds of things. And I'm never going to measure up and everything. And she was, I think she was confident that we could get here. And she already knew what the answer was. So I guess, um, but I got to it myself, but yeah, mm -hmm. but it, it was much, it was easier than I expected, which was uh, a super duper thing to happen because mm -hmm. that was a little scary. I no, think that, 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 I think that that is always a little scary when you start working with a uh, a new editor. It is, yeah. And I remember, for, like you said, it's a slow process because uh, when I told my friends and family that you know somebody had bought the book and that you know I had to do edits and whatnot you know a month later they would say okay is your book for sale and no not yet I, I haven't even done the edits yet you know and three months later you know for when we met for Thanksgiving is your book for sale where could I buy it I said nope nope it's still you know right work so yeah it's a long process and and uh but something that did surprise me like you said too is just the the edits how how well the the editors you know they're just these professionals that know what they're, they're editors, right. you know, they, they right. know what they're doing and they yeah. also know how to make you think they don't just, at least for my editor too, she didn't blatantly say, change it this way, change it that way. You know, she kind of, right. it's just amazing how she posed the questions and the scenarios and let me figure it out on my exactly. own. And exactly. I love that. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, I love this. How, how do I get more of this? You know, because it, it yeah. makes the story stronger. So, yeah. And you, you know, it's no long, not only that it makes the story stronger, which it does, but also it's still your story. It's true. Mm -hmm. They guided you, but they didn't tell you. And yeah. 
and to and that that was absolute to me that was something that was very gratifying i really mm -hmm. loved it yeah because you're always afraid that they're going to change it it's not going to be your story anymore it's not going to be your baby right. anymore. but no right. i like that with my editor she was amazing you know she molly kuzik and uh she she really guided me and like you said very gently you know yeah. told me how to do it and, and yeah I'm, I'm grateful so yeah i'm glad you, you had an amazing editor too that's good now in uh one of the questions i have here that i love uh, hearing from people uh, the answers from people is if you could portal yourself into any book out there which one would it be and why um, and that was really easy for me because I'm a big Philip Pullman fan <laughs> and uh, it's La Belle Sauvage, the, uh -huh. not the Golden Compass, the prequel to the Golden Compass. Oh, uh -huh. And, you know, I keep, I always wonder whether he wrote that book first and it never went anywhere and then the Golden Compass happened. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, what he's so good at is at planting the seeds of the series because, I mean, he's got it's a huge series. It, mm -hmm. it happens over 20, you know, for him, it happens over 20 some years. And, but he still plants this little seed here and then he reaps a harvest in book four, you know, and uh, he's, he's masterful. Mm -hmm. And so I would love, I, I love everything about that book. And I love all the, um, the mythical things that he has. And, mm -hmm. um, I that if I had to go into one particular book, I would go into that. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's I love asking that question, but I, I could never answer it myself because there's oh, so many what? books out there. Right. There <laughs> are there's a lot. Yeah. Is there somebody that you're just really crazy about? I, my goodness. I mean, there's so many classics and I I mean I personally I love Kathy Camillo. I love middle grade. Oh, me so, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm always, you know, I wouldn't mind going into, you know, Win Dixie, just hanging out there. And that's another book that brings a community together, too. Right. And I love that about, you know, children books like that when they, the community comes together, kind of like your book, too. So I see that if you could transport yourself into that environment where it's safe and adults, you know, respect yeah. kids, and it's just beautiful. So. All right. So what dreams do you have for definitely Dominguita? Well, I would love to write more, more books uh, mm -hmm. because now we have four, but I have a lot of ideas. Uh -huh. So I would love it. And I'm sure there's some ideas I haven't thought about. So I would definitely <laughs> love that. But, you know, the wildest, wildest dream, I would love for her to be like Dora the Explorer. Have, oh, a, yeah. have her own series oh, of I can see. that loves the classics. Uh -huh. the classics i think that would be awesome and it would be a way for kids to see a cuban american girl a strong cuban mm -hmm. american girl um and also learn a little bit about the classics so i think it's a perfect thing i'm just mm -hmm. you know, but yeah. it's a wild wild dream yeah no hey no juice too wild right no that's great i, I could see that too though like door the explorer have dominguita you know it's because and I like the about Dora that she brings into Spanish, right? And introduces right. kids into Spanish. And I think Dominita can introduce the Spanish and also the, the culture and also the classics, like you said. That's that'd be yeah. wonderful because I wish more kids knew about them, you know, and right. And uh before you know they reach that age, at least they're they're aware that they're out there. Right. Right. So, that's great. Now, do you what's next in the series in the Dominita 
series. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and do you have any other projects too? You know, after besides Dominguita. Um, so Captain Dom's Treasure, which is based on Treasure Island, comes mm -hmm. out at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then I just found out that uh, well, August All for One, which mm -hmm. echoes uh, the Three Musketeers. And then in, I just found out that it's not till November that the second, the, the fourth book comes out and that's Sherlock Dom. And it's oh. uh, like the Hound of the Baskerilles. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but other than outside of this series, I have a picture book coming out in uh, from Neil Porter Holiday House. Uh, and it's called La Casita de Esperanza. Oh. And it's about a little house and a family that provides a home for immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, for immigrant families when they first come to the United States. So it's this little, little house that they fix up and then they, um, they allow other families to come in and, be, you know, and just get mm -hmm. a leg up and uh, get their bearings. Mm -hmm. And then there's one more book uh, in the works that hasn't been announced yet. Uh, and that should be out in the end of 2022. And it's a biography for older readers. And I'm really excited about that. I wish I could talk more about oh, it. But, you know, uh, yeah. And of course, I'm still working on that Cuban book. That, that Cuban <laughs> book. No, you're Cuban busy. Book. Oh my goodness, look at you. Yeah. You're really busy. That's good. You have a lot of projects because Dominguita is such an awesome, beautiful book. And I just can't wait you know, to see more yeah. of her and also what else you come up with. So, you know, that is Casita de Esperanza, you said it was? Right. Oh, that sounds phenomenal too. So I can't wait for that either. That's such a powerful name, Esperanza. So I know, I know. That was that. That was with malice and forethought. That was yeah. We mm -hmm. love that. Love that book. I <laughs> think it's going to be fun. That's wonderful. Now, um, anything else you'd like to readers to know about you or your books, your your work? Oh, thank you for asking that. I think we've. I think we've covered the waterfront. Thank you. And thank you so much for doing this with me. No. I loved all the questions. They were just wonderful. And uh, thank you to Las Musas podcast for hosting us. No, it's a pleasure to have here, have you here and learn about your process. And it's always fascinating because every journey is so different. And it's just amazing to hear your view and your way and how you found Dominguita, you know, you gave life to Dominguita, which, which now the world has, you know, we're, we're all so excited to have yeah. you with us. <laughs> so thank, thank you so much. Thank you. So if you'd like to learn more about Las Musas or her book, please visit our website at lasmusas.com or find us on social media at Las Musas Books and be sure to check out our bookshop page where each purchase of one of our books goes towards supporting independent bookstores.